You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Streets, it is the eve of the Auburn football season getting started. Tigers take on Mercer tomorrow from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this program, proudly holding this post for over five years now and excited to start another season of Auburn football coverage here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We are Sports Call. We have been on the air for 27 years talking all things Auburn athletics and everything else in the wide world of sports. Coming up on today's show, we've got our birthdays in sports. We've got a nightly TV guide. Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will be a part of the show as the Braves had a big win last night over the Colorado Rockies. We'll discuss that and a couple of other things here on the show. I've got my co-hosts, Ryan Lavoy and Cam Barry. We're also getting ready for a busy night of high school athletic events as we will have Smith Station football on FM Talk 93.9 along with the AHSAA Radio Network Scoreboard Show. Tonight, we've got Beauregard football starting at 6.30. We've also got the Lindy's Football Report that's going to be coming on the air right after our show ends at 6 o'clock. So several things taking place here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, and we're so thrilled that you're spending the time with us here today on this Friday. Football starts tomorrow. We saw some football games last night. We're just really excited. Ryan and Cam join me on the show today. Hello, Ryan. Yeah, uh, what's up, JJ? So, uh, obviously, what we've talked about all season or all summer long, all spring long is here, and Auburn's going to get to take the field against Mercer here in, in just over 24 hours. But by the time our show ends, it will be exactly 24 hours. And so we're all, you know, incredibly excited about that and looking forward to what this Auburn team will look like. Again, nothing big picture will probably transpire in the first couple of weeks of this season. But, hey, we will have football to analyze and watch. And so that's big. And, look, the football last night was really darn good. Uh, in particular, the West Virginia-Pittsburgh game, the Penn State-Purdue game. Talked a little bit about that Penn State-Purdue game. Uh, in prior days, saying that that was going to be a big challenge for Penn State, that people kind of overlook what Purdue uh, could be, that Purdue was a 7- or 8-win team last year that returned a lot of their stars, returned their quarterback, obviously beat two highly ranked teams last year, and so and was at home on a Thursday night. So that was always going to be an interesting test for them. And Penn State did have uh, a battle, but they, they got through it, so they're going to be a little more uh, battle-tested after that one. Um, and so that was a great game. And then to see the backyard brawl as well between West Virginia and Pittsburgh, uh, that was a crazy game as well. And 
those those type of rivalry games they they need to happen uh they need to happen every year it had been 11 years since West Virginia and Pitt had played them. I remember that was always one of the more crazy games in the mid-2000s in the Big East. So uh, that uh, that was a, a wonderful game and uh, had other college football as well. But good to be back and uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun things to talk about in the college football world. Cam, how are you, man? Doing great. Enjoying a great Friday, great game day eve, ready to ready for this day to get by so that tomorrow I can start tailgating. Yeah, it um, happens tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's all here. So this is, I mean, everybody, like, like Ryan said, this is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been leading up to, and it's finally here, you know, finally a game week, even though obviously this is not something that is, it's not, a major game but it, it's it's college football and it's auburn and it's it's something that we're all going to enjoy uh braves completed the series win um against the rockies with behind spencer strider just 16 strikeouts i mean a new braves franchise record i mean absolutely insane he was in his bag Dude last was night. dealing um kids got some special stuff he i mean it's gonna make it really hard for Braves fans, people in general, but Braves fans especially for us to pick who we actually really want to be the rookie of the year um, for things like that. So, yeah, um, doing great, though. Uh, ready for a great Friday. It's going to be fun, and we've got football tomorrow inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, the Tanker Tailgate Show gets started at 3 o'clock local time here on FM Talk 93.9. Brad Law manning the pregame show festivities this year along with the regular cast of characters for the Auburn Sports Network. And then at 6 o'clock, we will have kickoff and the coverage again. Oh, baby. Still on FM Talk 93.9. Uh, Want to let you know all of the things that you need to know, spreading the word prior to the start of Auburn football seasons. If you're planning on going to the game tomorrow, fans are encouraged to arrive early to avoid delays. Gates in all stadium services Open two hours prior to kickoff. That means at 4 o'clock, you will be allowed to enter the stadium. Pre-game begins 20 minutes prior to kickoff. Student gates, if we've got students listening to us, those gates will open two hours and 15 minutes. And it's one of our favorite traditions being in the press box, Ryan, as soon as those student gates open, just watching the mad dash to get to the front. So two hours and 15 minutes prior to kickoff. We will see the student gates open. You can tell two things. You can tell who the freshmen are, and you can tell who really, really cares uh, about a particular like row or section. Yeah. yeah. And because they look like they're doing football tryouts with how quick they're running, they're kind of <laughs> going up and down the stairs and throwing a shaker to try and try and claim a claim spot. a spot. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And I've been there uh, as a student freshman year was standing in line for a absorbing amount of time and i uh, got in the section early so i think you said two hours 15 minutes so that's 15 er- minutes earlier than you used to be you used to be yeah. two hours like everybody else so they get a 15 minute head start to run in and, and claim their spots <laughs> walk through metal detectors will be in operation for the 2022 season additional pass through walk through metal detector units that do not require patrons to empty their pockets have been added to improve entry into Jordan-Hare Stadium, please be reminded of the fact that there is a clear bag policy. No bag gates have been eliminated to avoid confusion. Patrons may enter any available gates with a clear bag. Fans are allowed to bring in an empty water bottle or cup 
for use at the complimentary water refill stations, as well as one clear factory-sealed bottled water. For your convenience, complimentary water refill stations are available throughout Jordan-Hare Stadium. The following items are prohibited from being brought into the stadium, including artificial noisemakers, cameras with lenses over four inches, non-clear bags, outside food and drink, pets, stadium seats with arms, umbrellas, video cameras, and weapons, including pocket knives. All of those things are prohibited from being brought into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, the gates open two hours prior to kickoff for folks going to the game tomorrow. Our Tiger Tailgate Show gets set to kickoff and go on the air three hours prior to the start. That is a 3 o'clock start time. Major news in the college football world today as they have uh, taken the right steps. They're moving forward. The college football playoff committee has decided that starting in 2026, we are going to advance to a 12-team playoff model. Before we get into any opinions or anything of the matter, Ryan, what does this mean? What are the big things that have been said with this change? So the model last year, um, because this was really talked about around June of 2021, uh, if you'll remember, we, we talked to the commissioner, Greg Sankey, who was amongst four people that made a committee to explore what a – new playoff model would look like if you did an 18 model 12 team model etc and they came up with this model and it was a model that first was liked and then as we got to july and we started to find out that teams were going to start moving conferences namely uh, oklahoma and texas moving to the sec the rest of college football started to want to pause the exploration of uh, playoff format discussions and also kind of turn on the opinion of uh, what's this SEC guy doing dictating or helping dictate what could be the future playoff model. And so fast forward a year, uh, as we've had even more conference exp expansion, it's actually behooved these other conference commissioners to say to their members, of which are now flirting with other conferences, we can be a part of this playoff. We don't have to be the first or second best conference to be a part of this playoff, to share in the revenue that a big playoff will bring. And so the, the facts of the matter are this. The model that was discussed and, and tentatively agreed upon as the best model last year is the model that they're going to use. It's going to be the top six conference champions, the top six ranked conference champions, and then six at-large bids. So what that means is there's not a designation to what those six conferences can be. It's not the Autonomy Five and another conference. It's not, you know, the Autonomy Five is, of course, another word for Power Five. It's not necessarily those conferences. It is the six highest-ranked conference champions, which means that, one, there's going to be a non-Power Five guarantee which means if we keep a Power 5, we keep the ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, and Pac-12, there is still room for an automatic qualifier for an additional conference champion. And then what it also means, too, is that a conference can have a lot of bids. Now, of course, a lot of people talk, joking with the SEC. In theory, this would never happen like this, but in theory, a conference can get up to seven bids. Now, of course, there will be other teams ranked in the top 12 that will – not allow that to happen, but a conference could foreseeably very reasonably expect, like the SEC or Big Ten, to have three or four teams make a college football playoff. So um, those were the facts of the matter, 
and uh, I will not le- I will leave my opinion out I guess for the moment but but that's the that's the update there is it's going to be a 12 team model six the highest six conference champions and then six at-large bids. Change nonetheless coming to the sport of college football and a lot of people talking about, how about this, on the eve of, of week one getting started, we get a big story like this always breaking. Uh, always wanting to uh, change the fact that, again, the college football playoff, you got to get to the playoff. Does the regular season even matter? They're telling you it on the eve of the regular season. All right, let's take our first time out during today's program. Your phone calls are welcome. 334-887-3401. This is Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back into sports call on tiger 95.9 fm and on the tiger communications app jj jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan Lavoy. College football gets started tomorrow. Auburn and Mercer from inside Jordan Hare Stadium. Kickoff set for 6 o'clock. You can listen to the game, the radio broadcast, FM Talk 93.9 on the Auburn Tigers app. On the Tiger Communications app, you'll be able to listen to the radio broadcast as well with Andy Burcham on the play by play, Stan White providing the commentary, the analyst work there for the Auburn Sports Network, or you can watch the broadcast on the SEC Network Plus. The SEC Network Plus will have the broadcast of Auburn football taking on Mercer. All right, we do this each and every day, and it's September. We've got a brand new sponsor for this. We're really excited. It's now time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union. Stop by your local Max Credit Union. You've got one on Gay Street in Auburn, Frederick Road in Opelika for all your banking needs. Max Credit Union, proud presenting sponsor of Birthdays in Sports. Terry Bradshaw, 74 years old, current analyst for Fox NFL Sunday and a former quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The number one overall pick by the Steelers out of Louisiana Tech. Four-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time Pro Bowler. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame at both the pro and uh, college levels and his number 12 jersey retired by the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Terry Bradshaw has always been hilarious to me on television. And uh, again, 74 years old today, current studio analyst for Fox Sports. Love that guy. He's a funny dude. He is funny. Yeah. Always, uh, his, his fits are great. A fedora guy, typically, oh, yeah. from time to time. And uh, Terry B., 74 years old. Eric Dickerson is 62 today. The former NFL running back, selected second overall in the 1983 NFL Draft by the Los Angeles Rams out of SMU. He also played for the Colts, Raiders, and Falcons. 1986 NFL Offensive Player of the Year. His jersey, number 29, is retired by the Rams. He holds NFL records for most rushing yards in a season, most rushing yards by a rookie. He also is a member of the College and Pro Football Hall of Fame. Eric Dickerson, 62 years old today. Easily one of the greatest running backs of all time. Gotta love it. Yeah. Gotta love it. Uh, We've got Marcus Morris. He's celebrating his birthday today. Marcus Morris, a basketball player at 33 years old, 
a current power forward for the Los Angeles Clippers, selected 14th overall in the 2011 NBA Draft by the Houston Rockets out of Kansas, also played for the Phoenix Suns, Detroit Pistons, Boston Celtics, and New York Knicks. At Kansas, he was a 2011 consensus second-team All-American. His number 22 jersey has been retired by the Jayhawks. It's Marcus Morris. He's 33 years old. Here's the next birthday, yep. Markeith Morris. <laughs> He's 33 years old as well. They're twins, if you didn't know. A current power forward for the Brooklyn Nets, selected 13th overall. So that is one pick before his twin brother, Marcus. Markeith was drafted by the Suns. He was played for the Wizards, Thunder, Pistons, Lakers, and Heat. He won the 2020 NBA championship with the Lakers and was second team all Big 12 while at Kansas. Markeith Morris, 33 years old today, as is Marcus Morris. The Morris twins, they have yeah. identical tattoos. Literally. You it, you can't miss them. I mean, Kinda they're crazy. always together. It feels like when one of them is still in the playoffs, the other shows up wearing yep. their jersey. We talk about the swaps that could take place between those guys in games. That would be just amazing if something like that happened. Yeah, it's so interesting when I was kind of like doing the research for that. Um, it seemed like Marcus was the better player in college. Right. But Markeith was drafted first. Right. And I found that so interesting. I'm noticing that. I mean, yeah. you look at all the accolades right. that Marcus had in college, and then Markeith goes one pick before him. But also just the fact that twins, twins. go back-to-back yeah. back back to picks. Back. That's so funny. Like, ah, twin twin life is Do you think you I'm would sure. like having a twin? Yeah, probably. Do you think you <laughs> right. would like having a twin? No. I mean, I could. I would like a sibling, but not a twin. Not a twin. Okay. A twin. Yeah. Only child, Ryan LaVoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good, the good news for me is my my, uh, my brother is, is JJ. There so. you go. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, we're not twins. Ma- you guys are matching like twins. <laughs> we, we, are matching. we are matching. Did not plan yeah. this. Yep. Uh, and then finally, birthdays in sports. Jimmy Connors is 70 years old, a former American tennis player, previously held the world number one ranking for 160 consecutive weeks from 1974 to 1977 and a career total of 268 weeks, still holds the open-era men's single record with 109 titles, 1,557 matches played, and 1,274 match wins. His titles include eight major singles titles and 17 Grand Prix Super Series titles. Jimmy Connors, incredibly decorated, an all-time great in tennis, He's 70 years old today. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> On the week that we're celebrating the U.S. Open, one of the yeah. best tennis players. Watching my girl Serena exactly. go crazy. A little bit later tonight. So birthdays in sports today on September 2nd. We've got Terry Bradshaw at 74 years old. Eric Dickerson is 62. Marcus Morris and Markeith Morris are 33. And then you've got Jimmy Connors, who is 70 years old. If you would like to be a part of the show, give us a call, 334 887 3401 college football starts tomorrow. We've got game picks coming up a little bit later. We've got Braves baseball talk with Kevin McAlpin in the final hour of our show. And uh, again, we're taking your calls and predictions all show long, whatever you would like to uh, to do and uh, think with this Auburn football team. But the news in college football today, we've got some expansion to the playoffs on the horizon. What do we think? What yeah, do you think? Yeah, so I wanted to fill in a couple more gaps here because the college football playoff has released their own their own statement to the media. 
uh, or just statement overall to the fans and the media. Uh, so th- this is from them. This is we'll fill in a few gaps that I left out. So board, the board approved the following. The 12 teams will be the six conference champions ranked highest by the selection committee, no minimum ranking requirement, plus the six highest-ranked teams not included amongst the six highest-ranked conference champions. The ranking of the teams will continue to be done by a selection committee whose size, composition, and method of selection will remain substantially unchanged. The management committee will modify the selection protocols required by the change to playoff structure. The four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four, and each will receive a first-round buy. Meaning, last year, for example, Georgia would not have been in the top four after their loss to Alabama. They would have been ranked fifth, and they would not have gotten that buy. The other eight teams will play in the first round with the higher seeds hosting the lower seeds either on campus or at other sites designated by the higher-seeded institution, meaning we have on-campus games for, for the first round of the playoff. The, the model allows for the first-round games to be played on either the second or third weekend in December in a way that best accommodates the format and the participating teams with at least 12 days between the conference championship games and the first-round games. The management committee would make the final determination of the calendar. So there you go. There's a timeline for your first-round playoff games second or third weekend of December. Subject to reaching agreements with bowls, the four quarterfinal games and the two playoff semifinal games would be played in bowls on a rotating basis. The national championship game will be continued to be played on a neutral site. Subject to reaching agreement with bowls, the four highest-ranked conference champions will be assigned to quarterfinal bowls on selection day in ranking order and in consideration of current contract bowl relationships if those bowls are selected for the rotation. For example, this is an example they gave, if the Pac-12 champion were ranked number one, the Big Ten champion were ranked number three, and the Rose Bowl were a quarterfinal site, the Pac-12 champion would be assigned to the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten champion because it would be ranked lower would be assigned elsewhere. With the four highest ranked champions assigned to quarterfinal games and bowls, the opponent from the first round game winners will be assigned by the selection committee based on the bracket. The higher seeds would receive preferential placement in the playoff semifinal games and first round games will not have title or presenting sponsors and existing venue signage will remain in place. The college football playoff will control the video boards. So that is everything that the college football playoff says. I think that about covers everything. 2026 yeah. um, is the expected arrival date of this. However, there's going to be a meeting next week uh, with commissioners and university presidents to try and see if there is a way to move up to 2024. But 2026 for sure. 2024 is not dead yet. And also, nothing changes this year. We're, nope, we're on nothing the eve this year of the college year. football season starting. Nope. Uh, essentially, don't think about that this year. Yep. Uh, not going to have too much of an impact. But we've wanted more teams to be in. I think people want to see some in-venue playoff games, but also uh, still like to be able to have neutral site matchups. I don't have any complaints right now. I don't have any complaints. It's probably hard to think through all the various scenarios oh of gosh. where complaints could come up. But initially, let's just give it a chance. Let's see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it sounds really exciting, honestly. Just the opportunities that it could present for other teams. I just think it's a little bit more inclusive. I think the top four at some point kind of became flawed where it didn't incentivize. If you were a higher seed, like in the example for Georgia last year, they didn't have to win their conference championship to stay in the to stay in the top four because they were so good for almost the entire season. Um, but it helped Bama big time. 
Um, so I, I just think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fun to watch, um, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I think the key there is in still incentivizing conference championships right. because then you start to wonder because – Obviously, you had that scenario where it didn't matter that Georgia lost as far as still reaching the playoff. And, of course, with a 12-team playoff, that, that situation could arise in multiple conferences, right. not just the SEC. But the the reason to win is that you get a bye. And this is football. This is something where a bye is significant. Oh, yeah. Like like you want to rest Crucial. up. And, um, you know, look, some teams will really value being at home, of course, in the first round. But the reality is that I think teams would still rather – have that buy than to have that full extra game against a decent team. And look, uh, there's going to be people that don't love it. There's still people that don't even love that there's a playoff to begin with. Um, but this is, I think, better for the totality of college football. Uh, it will not change your national champion a lot of years, at least not at first, because look, Alabama's not going to lose these teams. I mean, period. But there's not always a dynasty like Alabama. There's always great teams. There's always teams that have great runs. Um, but there's not always a team that just flattens competition the way Alabama has the last 10 to 12 years. And so my, my thought is, is that these other teams, it will matter to play extra games. You will have some upsets. You will have some teams that still do the same things. Uh, but that's a part of giving this the opportunity. And we've already so devalued some of the other aspects of college football because of just the four-team playoff. Unless you're going back to just two teams and really emphasizing these other bowl games, you're going to need to include the rest of college football in this for the rest of college football is going to die off. And I don't care what a few people think that root for big teams. It's not good if half of college football dies off. We will see these changes come in a few years. We'll see officially whether or not, again, it's 2024 or 2026, but it's happening. The college football playoff in agreement. We're going to expand this thing to 12 teams. We want to take your phone calls. We begin doing that after this next timeout. Later in the program, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will be on the show. Sending some love right now to uh, Money Mike Harris. Michael Harris II has now been named the National League Rookie of the Month. For August, hit 337, 12 doubles, 4 homers, 15 RBI, scored 22 runs, stole 5 bases, posted a 589 slugging percentage in 27 games. It's his second Rookie of the Month award also in June. Here's a good problem for the Braves. You've got Michael Harris II, you've got Vaughn Grissom, you've got Spencer Strider. Three guys on your own team that are all... Trying to win the National League Rookie of the Year award. Boy, oh boy. That's tough. We talk Braves baseball with Kevin McAlpin later in the program here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio today. 
Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy are my co-hosts. High school football tonight, Friday Night Lights, baby. We've got uh, Beauregard taking on Valley, Smith Station, and Pratt. I mean, we've got great matchups. Beauregard football on Tiger, 95.9 FM, and uh, Smith Station football, FM Talk, 93.9. The Sports Call Podcast brought to you each and every day by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the feeling. Let's take your phone calls, 334-887-3401, or toll free at one 888 9 as we go to the phone lines now and joining us... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve. Hello, Steve. Well, good afternoon, and guys, in the words of T.J. Finley, I'm itching to kick this uh, football season off. Yes, sir. Uh, is Mr. Drew there? Drew, Intern is, not Drew is not here today. It's no? just J.J., okay. Ryan, and Cam. Drew will okay, be back right. later in the week, next week. That's fine. Hey, I enjoyed the uh, conversation you had uh, yesterday with Mr. Zachary and his comments. I believe he says he he expects to see some breakout plays by Mr. Jalen Simpson. Yes, at that DB spot. Yep. All right. Uh, and some other people. I'm looking for two people uh, on the receiver side to really, to really uh, show us, okay, are they as good as – We've been told they are in practice. And that's who? Probably Chick Dawson. No, I'm looking for Mr. Camden Brown mm. and Mr. Coy Moore. Ah. There you go. I like those guys. Yeah, I'm excited to see all the receivers get a chance to make some plays. Right. Uh, how many of you guys uh, saw the uh, Penn State-Purdue game last night? I did not get a chance to watch Ryan that. and I saw that game. Yeah, I, it watched, was, uh, I watched epic. the fourth quarter. Yep. Your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that game was about what I expected. Uh, I figured that Purdue would challenge them, being a team that that won multiple top ten games last year and and won seven or eight games, had a lot of players back, hosting on a Thursday night, uh, had the makings of a a pretty uh, challenging environment. And so I thought Penn State had weak moments, and I think they had strong moments. And they obviously pulled it out at the end. Um, and, and got what got done what they needed to get done, and sometimes that's that's road games for you. Every time we see games where you start the year with a conference game, that's always that's epic a to me. Yep. And for Auburn, you I can only think of, of 2015. You had Arkansas, and then of course 2020. You had or 2014. You're yep. right. You had Arkansas, and then in in 2020 you had Kentucky because you were only playing SEC games. That is difficult for any school to go into those environments right out of the gates and play those games. So uh, I thought the atmosphere was just electric and uh, really enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, I didn't uh, care too much for the throwing up version of the camera guy there. You know the uh, the, the pick yeah. Six. After the pick uh, six, we caught that on camera. That was wild. Said, oh my god! <laughs> said, the good thing I wasn't you know uh, eating anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he was he was gassed after all that running, man. Um, their quarterback uh, is, is uh, O'Connell. What's his name for Penn Aiden State? O'Connell, yes. Yeah. Or for Penn you know, State he, or for Purdue? Purdue's for quarterback State. is Aiden O'Connell. For Penn State, their quarterback is Sean Clifford. Clifford, yeah. You know, he didn't show me anything. In fact, it was less than 50% until that final drive. Yeah, four touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, he, he played well against Auburn last season. He's very experienced. Uh, the accuracy numbers were a little bit off, but he got it done in that last drive for sure. I mean, right now, guys, you know, of course, we haven't seen our team, but I see Penn State really as being very beatable. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, of course they're very beatable, but uh, that's also 
their first game against a decent team and Auburn's first game against a decent team will be Penn State. And what happens in that situation is, uh, as I've talked about before, is you have you have mistakes that you wouldn't normally make, and especially when it's the first game of the season. But uh, still, even when you just play your first good opponent, and we saw San Jose State, Auburn's second opponent, their first FBS opponent, they almost lost to Portland State last night. They had to score with a minute left. So Auburn doesn't have any any sort of test in these first two weeks. So my, the biggest key there is if Auburn plays well, I definitely think they can beat Penn State. I think they'll be favored against Penn State, but you've got to guard against those first re, you know, first tough game mistakes, the first time you're actually having to execute your stuff in order to, for it to succeed. Yeah, well, uh, my recollection historically has been that, you know, when teams uh, that uh, the week before have played bad, they don't repeat that kind of performance when they come to play over the following week. You know, it's like, gee, where'd that team come from? Because last week they were horrible. Yeah. Uh, reminds me, you know, the Texas A&M game in which we got beat, and the week before that they got slaughtered. Oh, uh, was it, 59 to nothing? Remember that? Uh, not particularly, but, I, I mean, I, I know that there have been examples over the years like that, and I just think sometimes when teams do get beat the week before, then that next week in practice, one, you were incredibly focused to correct those things because you got embarrassed and you don't want to have that happen two weeks in a row. And so uh, Auburn has definitely been on the unfortunate side of things there. But Auburn has also had weeks before, Steve, where they have played incredibly lousy. All of a sudden they go back to the practice field. They're incredibly focused and determined. And next thing you know, they come out incredibly confident and put some great performances together. Well, those are rare for Auburn, I'll tell you that. She's the opposite. Uh, guys, I just saw this on 247 Sports from Jason Caldwell's Friday Auburn mailback column, one of their bloggers said the following. I just wanted to see if you can confirm it. The chief operating officer, Marcy Gurton, Gurton has been named acting athletics director. That is correct. Yeah, that was in the official announcement of Alan Green's resignation. Okay. All right. Um, do you have any uh, thoughts on who you think might be a really, really excellent AD for us? Names? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you hear a lot of names, right, in the Auburn area. You hear Rich McGlynn and Tim Jackson are, are two of the more popular names in something like that. Uh, I know that there have been reports from Auburn Undercover. Let's give them their praise when we see things that they've been reporting uh, interest from a Utah State athletic director potentially coming over and, and taking the job. So uh, I know the university president, Dr. Roberts, is going to have a lot of quality candidates for him and the board to vote on, and, and we'll see uh, kind of how it goes. But in terms of having an opinion of who could fit, who would look good, and that sort of thing, uh, let's be real. Not all of us are always monitoring the inner workings of an athletic department. We're no, more so watching the product on the field. Well, uh, I'll say it again. You know, I, I thought we need somebody that knows Auburn well, but also uh, is very, uh, I guess, uh, astute in terms of, you know, how to work with people and organization-wise. And to me, what comes to my mind is Mr. Quentin Riggins. Um, but I don't even know he's, yeah. if he's even being uh, considered. All right. Now, you weren't on the air yesterday, uh, J.J., when I made a proposal. Uh, and I don't know if you guys want to do it, but I'm going to go ahead and and play the game if anybody wants to play with me. Okay. And that is, uh, you know, Jeff Foxworthy had a show uh, in, in a while back. It was called Kane, uh, How, Kane, you, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Right. We've so played our version of that on Sports Call before. Yeah. So I proposed yesterday uh, to uh, uh, Brooks Children's and the rest of the guys that are on there, how about Are You Smarter Than Vegas Insiders uh, and their Lions friends? 
So uh, my proposal is uh, people, listeners, callers can pick uh, pick Auburn in, uh, all in the entire season with either taking Auburn in the points or giving the points or take the opponent, whichever you want, and we'll play, play that you have been given $1,000 play money and see how well you can do against the bookies in Vegas uh, throughout the season. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm taking uh, uh, that uh, that position. So I'm putting $1,000 on Auburn tomorrow uh, on, uh, against the spread. Okay. I'm taking Auburn minus 31 and a half. I love it. I mean, it'd be awesome to have a decided margin like that. So are you smarter well, than Vegas insiders? We'll see. Well, let's see if Anthony, who took me by surprise yesterday, I said, is this really Anthony Yeah, calling? 63 to 3. Yeah. Are you serious? I mean, I was waiting for Anthony to come and say, you know, that Mercer was going to, uh, we were on upset, you know, watch. Right. So you have so, an official uh, score for us, Steve? Uh, I'm going 45 to 10. 45 to 10. Perfect. All right. Give All us, right. Uh, give us uh, your final thoughts, and then I've got to get to our next caller. Final thoughts. Have you seen the digital uh, program for tomorrow? I haven't got a chance to look at it. Does it look nice? Yes, too bad. I couldn't actually hold it. Uh, <laughs> it's got Mr. Derek Hall and Mr. Kobe Wooden on the front. There you go. Two of there the leaders go. on that defensive front. And then none other but Mr. Sir Charles, I don't know what kind of NIL deal you got for this, uh, promoting Redmond Vodka, official partner of Auburn Athletics. I've never heard of Redmond Vodka. Yeah, I've seen him on a bit of a press tour trying to promote his new product. So uh, look at look at Sir Chuck. With the, with the new vodka there. Okay, if you haven't already, because I enjoyed it last night, the first episode of Fansville. And you haven't got a chance to hilarious. check it out. Yeah. It was hilarious. Hilarious. Okay, that's all I got, guys. Uh, I know some of you guys may be going to the game tomorrow. I saw around 38 to 40 some percent chance of rain. Uh, JJ, you going, sir? Yeah, I'll be there. We'll uh, we'll be in the in the uh, press box, and a couple of the guys have got have got tickets to go as fans. So. Uh, we're going to have a, a full collection of some of the Sports Call crew that'll be in attendance. And, and you're right, we listened to our uh, weatherman, Tiger Communications meteorologist Ryan Lavoie. He said about a 40% chance of rain at the game. So I'm going to be prepared thanks to Ryan's expertise. Ryan, you uh, taking a poncho? Um, not taking anything because I will not be at the game. Oh, I'll be okay. watching it, don't worry. He'll be but, tuned uh, in, I will but not uh, be at he will not be at the game. So. All right, that's fine. All right, so guys, it's time. My time is up. Uh, I uh, really hope that you all have a safe and entertaining and enjoyable weekend. Talk to you uh, Monday. I Steve. That I will not have to rely on Jack Daniels or anything else. So with that <laughs> said, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. No, Tuesday, right? We will have a show on Monday. It, it is Labor Day, but we will have a reaction show on Monday. So we're going to come in uh, showtime, and, and we'll have that show ready for folks. Okay, great to hear that. Yep. All right, then. Until Monday, then. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good buddy, retired Ward M. Steve, joining us on the program. There will be a show on Monday. Important to point that out to folks. 334-887-3401. We go to the phone lines. Michael from Auburn. Michael has called into Sports Call. What's going on, Michael? Hey, guys. Good to hear your voice again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you how uh, exciting college football is for the opening week. Uh Everybody, I think, has forgotten that Artemis One Rocket is supposed to launch Saturday morning. Everybody was hyped for it Monday, <laughs> and then it delays, and I hadn't thought anything else about it. And it was like, oh, yeah, there's a rocket launch site. Who cares? <laughs> <You know? laughs> We're all but, worried about uh, football. No, that's a good perspective, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I grew up uh, in the early 90s kind of um, – 
that was kind of my introduction to Auburn football, uh, you know, going with my dad. And I remember uh, a lot of those early 90 games, I would say mid-90s, Auburn opened, it seemed like, against uh, Ole Miss. Uh, I, I remember, like, my first game at Auburn was 89. Uh, we played Pacific. Uh, I don't think that team even exists anymore. Pete Carroll, I think, got his start there. I don't know if he was a coach in 89. Uh, but Auburn won like 55 to nothing. And uh, wide receiver, uh, I think, set the receiving record uh, for a single game. I had 200-something yards, 250 yards or something. Y'all can help jog my memory because I think you may have gotten uh, – you know, a pretty good game against Bama in 89, too. Uh, but uh, he was a stud wide receiver. You got the score right on it. It, it was 55 nothing Auburn versus Pacific. Let me try and find some, some numbers there. Good memory. And, yeah, good for September 9th, 1989. But, yeah, I, I think sometime uh, in those 90s was Ole Miss. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, the playoff. Uh, my perspective has always been, you know, the Army-Navy game is, is a really – great game post uh, Iron Bowl and kind of the SEC championship. You know, that's just always been a nice game to watch uh, for just, the, you know, that game and what it means. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I remember just growing up listening to my dad, like, if you go back and look at some of those Army teams, you know, and of course, the world was different during the war. I mean, it, you either were going to go to war or you were going to go play football. Or Army, basically, and Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. But, I mean, I've always thought, well, what would happen if a stud guy actually went to Army or Navy? I mean, we haven't seen one. Of, I remember Auburn playing Army in a bowl game in the 90s as well, but that's the last decent team I remember them actually fielding that uh, was pretty good. Navy's had some teams here or there. Um, but I've always thought it was very interesting to have a Hasman trophy game and you still had some games left on the docket so i'm curious what the award show is going to look like would they possibly delay that to kind of see how some of these guys do in the first round of a playoff yeah uh that's going to be interesting just kind of want to get your guys thoughts on that that's a good Uh, thought yeah for sure and uh thanks guys hey alexander wright alexander wright was the wide receiver 263 yards receiving at the time it was an sec reception yardage record alexander wright four touchdown receptions that day i think that's still auburn single game record if i'm not mistaken uh, it could be wrong sammy coach may have broke that in 2014 but uh, i know it's still up there but uh thanks guys what's the mercer blister. score prediction you got for us michael uh i'm gonna go uh 38 13 i think uh auburn is gonna look pretty good uh, and I think there's just going to be some drives that we may uh, stumble a little bit, but I think that gives uh, uh, Andres Carlson uh, a good kind of day uh, to get back in the swing of things as well. Auburn wins. Uh, it's not just kind of a, I think, a little bit ugly just trying to get, you know, back things right. Uh, but I think Andres Carlson is going to have a pretty good game. I think he's going to get four for four. Perfect. Thanks for the call today, Michael. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. War Eagle. That's our buddy Michael from Auburn joining us there on Sports Call. 334-887-3401. Toll free at one 888 tiger 9 Interesting perspective. How will the award shows be impacted by the changing of the college football playoff? 
We've got more of your phone calls due up in the next hour of Sports Call. Stay with us. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Camberry, I'm JJ Jackson. One hour of the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio. With Ryan Lavoy and Cam Barry. It's been a fun Friday show so far, and we've still got time left to go. If you want to talk about anything in the wide world of sports, call in and say hello to us. Uh, I do want to add with the conversation we just had a moment ago with Michael from Auburn, wanted to point out the fact that, yes, indeed, we talked about the 1989 Pacific game, his first game inside Jordan Hare Stadium. And in 1989, Alexander Wright had 263 receiving yards was an SEC record. It still is an Auburn football record for most receiving yards in a game. In 1999, Ronnie Daniels got awfully close with 249, but Alexander Wright still holds the single-game record for most receiving yards for Auburn football. If you would like to be a part of the program, you can call in and chat with us, 334-887-3401. And Michael brought up a good point. What do we think about the fact that are our Heisman Trophy performances going to be limited by this? It has just been a trend that Cam Newton wins a Heisman Trophy and still needs to go out and perform in the BCS National Championship game a little bit later. What is the timeline? I don't know necessarily that the Heisman Trophy is going to make any changes. They haven't said anything. It's way too early for those answers to be given to us. But I would still think... The regular season is the regular season. Heisman votes are going to be due when they're due, and then you'll have postseason performances that come after the fact. Yeah, I mean, if you still have two weeks between the conference championship and and the uh, first-round playoff game, all, all you do is that weekend in between, that yep. Friday or Saturday night, whatever, uh, you put the Heisman ceremony there because you don't want to put it midweek because teams are going to already sort of want to start practicing. And if you do it on the weekend, then I think they can – miss a day or, or not have practice for a day and, and put it in there. So I'd imagine it wouldn't be fundamentally different. I think it would be pretty smooth to do it then. And, yeah, I don't think there would be a need to wait until January, until after the entire season's over with. 334-887-3401 
or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine if you would like to call in and be a part of our program as we will go to our Auburn Bank phone lines. And joining us here on the program right now, we've got Terry from Talladega. Terry from Auburn. Guess what? It's the same person. Terry from Auburn, formerly of Talladega, joining us here on Sports Call. Happy Friday, Terry. Thanks for the Happy phone Friday. call. Happy football. Yeah, that's right. Football what? indeed. Football Friday. And high school tonight, right? That's right. That's right. Another <laughs> slate of great games. Guys, let me ask y'all a question. What team that had a decent year last year y'all think are going to take more of a step back? The reason I ask, I think Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State is going to take a major step back. And I know what happened at Auburn last year, and I'm still hurt in front of myself. But they lost what I consider the second the second most important guy on that team is is not the quarterback, it's the left tackle. The first and, round pick, yeah. Yeah. And 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 number number two, another point. When teams start to get a look at Mike Leach's offense, second and third years and on, they start to figure it out. So it wouldn't surprise me none if he blew some games. He he wouldn't 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 disappoint me at all. Yeah, you got the quarterback coming back, which is a good thing. But I, I think both of the Mississippi schools could be in play there because uh, unlike Mississippi State, Ole Miss did lose their quarterback in Matt Corral. Uh, Lane Kiffin does a great job with his offenses. I still think they'll be fun to watch. But uh, teams that were having good years last year that could take a step back. I don't know. Those Mississippi schools do come to mind for me. Yeah, I don't. I miss him because I think Lane Kiffin is a good, a good, good right. He'll, he'll be head. fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I, I, Leach, you just uh, if you look at the history and his, his time as a head coach, he's a good head coach. But when the team start to figure out his his th- little scheme, he runs in the second and third years, they figure it out. And these coaches in the SEC are very, very smart coaches. We'll have to do some research and see what. I'm the not really seeing say. that, yeah. Terry. Uh, he actually took off after year year three at Washington State. They had. They'd only won twelve games his first three years, then they went nine and four, eight and five, nine and four, eleven and two before his last year of six and seven and he left. And then uh Texas Tech, uh he only had eight win seasons after or the only two years he did not have an eight win season were his first two years at Texas Tech. Well, and, and uh, that's a good point. I appreciate that, Ryan, but but uh, there's Ryan, right? Yes. Okay. Because I just think I just think, you know, the, he finds other ways to do it. I, I didn't say the offense stunk, I just said he was sort of figure out the scheme of it. He may even run the ball a little more. I mean, sure. I mean, who knows? But you know, I just think from a from a schematic standpoint, he tends to tends to lean on one thing, and, and teams need to figure out these co- defensive coaches in this conference are very very intelligent people. Right, and I will say this to your point: um, LSU in year one, it was the very first game that Leach coached in the league. They they lit up LSU in Tiger Stadium, and LSU was embarrassed by that. And then last year, even though LSU didn't have a very good year, they did beat Mississippi State in uh, in Starkville. Was that when he was at Kentucky as offensive coordinator? No, I'm saying I'm saying okay. uh, in 2020 uh, at Mississippi oh, okay. State, okay. his very first game in the SEC, they torched LSU uh, to start that year uh, in Death Valley, even though it was obviously not a big crowd because it was 2020. And then last year, even though LSU was not very good, LSU did beat Mississippi State in Starkville. So they corrected basically what they had been flawed in in 2020. Oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you there. I thought, he was the OC at Kentucky under Hal Mummy, I think. Yes. Yes. So, and they didn't hurt having Tim Couch either, quite honestly. Right. Um, so, I, I don't know. You got to make. You just say, just say, it seemed like that to me. Now, I can tell you right now, I'll take the coaches in the Southeastern Conference over the coaches in the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve any day of the week and twice on Sunday. We got so, some good coaches in the SEC. Yeah. So, the, if if, the, if 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 they can make changes to figure things out, these coaches down here sure can. I promise you. So. You got a score prediction the, for us, Terry? Uh, score prediction. I take Auburn forty-eight to nine. Forty-eight to nine. I like it. 
I like yeah, it. There's always some oddity there. And, and who was the previous guy talked about? Anders Carlson? Michael, yeah. Michael from Auburn. I'd like, yeah. to see the guy, I'd like to see the young guy, the guy that's got the brother at the Bengals. McPherson? Yep. Alex McPherson. Yeah. This. How do you think that's going to work this year? One long field goal, one short field goal? I don't know. Yeah, I would think it's going to be Anders Carlson's job all the yeah. way through. Yeah. Uh, you would hope that he's going to be able to make that full recovery from the ACL injury, and mm-hmm. uh, we have seen him knock down some long shots. We've also seen him struggle a little bit. Yeah, that's usually been his, his struggle is, is the longest field goals. He's always had the leg, but he's he's certainly the missed accuracy. a few from, from deep. And so, I mean, we might see them them go with two different kickers. It's it's I don't really have any recollections of, of Auburn ever doing something like that before. Uh, but uh, it will be an interesting dynamic to play out. Let's see if Anders Carlson can get uh, that leg back right this season. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole the whole world's going to be watching T.J. Finley tomorrow, let's be honest. That's right. I mean, no, no matter what. And you're not going to learn much about Mercer, let's be totally honest. But you'll be able to see if he's throwing the ball over their heads or in front of them or behind them. Right. And, right. and I, 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 I still back up what I say. I stand by it. If Robbie Ashford ever gets in the game, he's the quarterback for now and always. All right. Good to hear from you today, Terry. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Take care, guys. All right. That's our buddy Terry from Auburn, formerly of Talladega, joining us on Sports Call 48-9, to his prediction. Let's get another call in here. 887-3401. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt from Tallahassee is patiently waiting. He's on the line with us. Hello, Matt. That's right, buddy. We're, we got some Braves music there. Good win for them last night. Hey, listen, what place are the Braves in now? Still in second place in the uh, in the NL East. Still three games behind the Mets. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Cam. What's up, Matt? Hey, how's it going, Matt? Hey, uh, I got a, a high school question for you guys. What do you guys think about Opelika playing in the Cambridge Bowl in Montgomery and the team they're playing? I think it's always fun when you get a chance to go play away from your home stadium to take the show on the road and for those high school kids to get to play in a huge stadium like the Crampton Bowl. I think it's going to be a really exciting environment, and Opelika has always been a really good football team. So uh, for them to have this game coming up uh, against Lee tonight, I think it'll be a fun one. I got a score for that game. Okay. I I got Robbie Lee... uh, Four, uh, 49 to uh, 3. 49 to 3. Wow. All right. And do you have an Auburn and Mercer score? Yes. Auburn 59. Mercer 2. 2. Wow. All right. Just a safety for them. Um, all right. I like it. I like it. Well, well, I got another score. I could say Auburn 59, Mercer 14. Okay. Yeah. Auburn, how Auburn many do you want to turn Auburn, in? Auburn, Auburn picked off three, uh, three pick six and boxed up the, and boxed and um, boxed up uh, a off. All right. Well, we, uh, we, we got you down for, for one of those score predictions then. Hey, hey, hey listen, um, like, uh, Warden Steve wants to play, like, a little game or something like that? That's right. Um, I like, uh, I might play it sometime, but, um, not right now. But I do have a question for Ryan and Cam. What do you guys think about Corey playing Ole Miss? 
Yeah, so I think uh, with Troy, they've obviously been a program. They've had a couple upsets in their day of, of SEC schools, but I don't know if Troy's in the position uh, yeah, to do that right now. I don't think um, it's happening. So, I, you know, I think uh, I, I think back to I think Blink, they think I think they beat LSU a few years back, but I don't expect that kind of performance out of them in Oxford. They're a little bit behind the eight ball. I think Ole Miss uh, will have some some really smooth drives. I think they'll have some drives where they look out of sorts because they got a lot of new offensive players. But ultimately, I think Ole Miss will win by a few touchdowns. His favorite to win, Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss favorite win by a good bit. And and uh, what do you guys think about uh, Bama playing against uh, Utah? Uh, Alabama yeah. versus Utah, Utah State. State. Yeah. Oh, Utah State. Alabama's yeah, yeah. going to be pretty yeah. dominant in Alabama's that one. Alabama's probably going to. Utah versus Florida. That will be a fun yeah. game. Yeah, so, what, so, like, what do you guys think about that game, Florida and Utah? Uh, should be an interesting one. Utah's going to be number seven in the in the nation, and, and it's pretty hard to play in the swamp. So, it's definitely going to be a an interesting test for both teams right off the bat. I got Florida winning. I got Florida winning, and I got Bama winning. But for the Florida Utah game, I got uh, I got Florida winning seventy to uh, thirteen. Seventy to thirteen. Woo! That means Utah's not worthy of that uh, seven seven seed in the nation. Yeah. Hey, um, listen, I, I heard that Penn State lost. So uh, does that help Auburn? I know Auburn's not ranked. But right. Probably. But uh, could they be ranked if they win tomorrow night? Well, Penn State won. They they actually beat Purdue, so so they won the game at the last minute. They were able to come back and, and get the win. Um, and I'm not sure if Auburn would win if they they beat Mercer. I don't think so. I, I think that's not going to be very impressive to the voters out there. Um, so I think Auburn is still probably a few weeks away from being uh, ranked. But 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 however, like say that if say in other SEC games. Say that Troy beats Ole Miss. Uh huh. Then Auburn could be ranked, right? Possibly. I mean, obviously, if Ole Miss lost, they would be a ranked team that falls back. But again, I don't know that you're going to walk away uh, as a voter and, and really be impressed by whatever you see out of the Auburn Tigers. But uh, all right, man, it's been fun chatting with you today. We got to get the cheer and get out of here. Five, four, three, two, one. Whoa, Eagle. Eagle. Hey. Bama 48, 45, 63, 13. Booyah! Bama, come to your field. Got a second. Georgia, come to your field. Gonna knock you guys out. Boom. All right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the call today. That's our hey, good hey, pal. Hey, JJ. Hey, JJ. If I don't get you guys Monday, I'll you guys call you Tuesday. Call whenever you can. That's our buddy Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the program. Let's take our first time out here in hour number two. What is your score prediction for Auburn football for their game against Mercer? Anthony has them winning 63-3. Michael saying 38-13. Terry with the 48-9 score. Ward and Steve 45-10. Matt from Tallahassee likes Auburn 59-2 over the Mercer Bears. Time out. We're back with more after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. 
Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with my good buddies Ryan LaVoy and Cam Barry on this Friday. Again, Auburn taking on Mercer tomorrow from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Reminder, pregame coverage starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, FM Talk 93.9, the Tiger Tailgate Show. The gates open two hours prior to kickoff. Student gates open two hours and 15 minutes before the game gets started. There's the clear bag policy in effect, and you can enter in any gate into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Passing along all the information. Know before you go with Auburn football. So, as we move forward here on the program, and we again want to take your phone calls, 334-887-3401. Call and join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Submit your score predictions. There are also a good number of games being played tomorrow across college football, and even a couple of games tonight. We always talk about, you know, the former Auburn football players and where they're at. There's a big tent. We talked about conference matchups last night with Penn State and Purdue. Tonight, you've got Illinois and Indiana, and in the Indiana backfield, there's a guy smaller in stature uh, by the name of Sean Shivers, nicknamed Worm, that's now playing for the Indiana Hoosiers. Was that harsh? Smaller in stature? No. no. Yeah. It's fact. Pointing out yeah, the obvious. So we're going to see Sean Shivers' Big Indiana and debut. Huge in heart. And yeah. can knock your teeth out. Run you over. Yeah. <laughs> Forever an Auburn Tiger. Uh, he's using another year of eligibility playing for Indiana as he will play yeah. uh, tonight against Illinois. Yeah, and uh, that game Illinois played last week, beat Wyoming 38-6. to uh, Indiana, if um, I can't interest you enough in one SEC transfer, unless he did not win the job, to my knowledge he is the starter, uh, or would have been if he transferred up there, uh, Connor Basilak, the Missouri quarterback from last year, is a Indiana transfer. So uh, I think Basilak will be the starting quarterback for Indiana. So that would be – be a little bit of an interesting game. The Big Ten here with some an array of conference games. That's something yes. that um, you know they've actually done well in marketing. Is that they play? They had a week zero game in Ireland. You can question the uh, locale of that, but <laughs> they had a week zero conference game. They had a Thursday night conference game here in week one, and they got a Friday night conference game. So that's actually a good job of of being visible and marketing and just putting. Your conference out there. You haven't put all the big boys out there. You'll get to see plenty of Ohio State and Michigan and all that later on. But they put they've kind of showcased really top to bottom their conference over these uh, these first six days of college football. It's actually been a pretty good strategy. Yeah, Connor Basilak there at Indiana tonight. The game will be viewed on FS1. Indiana's quarterback last year, Michael Penix Jr. He's now the starting quarterback at Washington. Again, it is just a straight up oh my quarterback uh, carousel. I didn't even know that. All over the place. Yeah, I mean, you just you see one guy somewhere, and then the next too. year you got to figure out, okay, who are they? Where did they come from? Oh what was their gosh. last school that they were at? That's what I was telling so you. So hard with, to keep uh, up with. With Holinsky the other other weekend with Northwestern, right? Like Ryan Holinsky, people forget 2019 when Jake Bentley got hurt. In South Carolina, he became the South Carolina quarterback all oh, that year. Um, oh, you're right. And then was on the team still in 2020. Didn't get the starting gig and bowed out, transferred, played at Northwestern a little bit last year. And yeah. Now won their starting job this year. You guys like Indiana or Illinois tonight? I'm going to lean Indiana at home. I do hesitate because they did have a rough year last year. They were very disappointing, maybe one of the biggest disappointments in college football, actually. 
good for Indiana to even be labeled as disappointment because usually not a lot of them is or not a lot is expected right. of them in college football. <laughs> but nevertheless, they were bad last year. Illinois was not great either, but they do have the game under their belt, so that's what made it tough. But I'm going to show some Sean Shivers favoritism, some Connor Bazelak, some SEC favoritism in the Big Ten and take the home Indiana Hoosiers in a close one. I think the line's only one and a half on this one. Um, I leaned uh, the opposite direction. I leaned Illinois uh, just because they do have that one game under the belt, Um, and I just think it'll be an interesting matchup. That could pay off that you've already played a game, you know, and and we talked about sort of the rust and that sort of thing. Uh, I went with the home team as well. We're taking your score predictions. Give us your score predictions for Auburn and Mercer. Anthony has said 63-3. to Michael has said 38-13. Terry has called in 48-9. to Wardam Steve, 45-10. to And Matt from Tallahassee turned in a 59-2 score prediction. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 If you would like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show as we go back to the phone lines. Joining us now on the program, we've got... Anthony from Auburn. All right, Anthony has called into Sports Call today. Hello, friend. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? I'm very well. How are you, sir? Good. You know, I didn't get a chance to see the game last night because I had to work, but what Penn State and Purdue, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that game? Incredible game. Electrifying atmosphere. Penn State ends up winning at 35-31 and had a big last uh, last drive to, to go out there and uh, walk away with the victory. Uh, I just really enjoyed watching a good college football game with a good, intense environment. I, I thought Clifford was a little inconsistent, a little inaccurate. He threw a really bad interception about midway through the fourth quarter that was returned for a touchdown against Purdue, but then he redeemed himself and had a really good final drive to put them back up. So a mixed bag from Clifford. Uh, obviously, Purdue, they sold it out. It was a, a, a nice environment, like uh, J.J. said. But uh, so just, some again, some first-game mistakes. Neither team looks like they're going to set the world on fire, but Penn State, at least on the road, able to pull that out, showed some character there. I tell you what, uh, after you all see Auburn play tomorrow, when I call Monday, I want to know what y'all thoughts are as far as uh, what you saw last night with the Purdue game and what you see uh, tomorrow how you think Auburn might match up in a couple weeks, uh, uh, two weeks from now, uh, when they when they come calling now here. And, uh, and I want to know what y'all got to think at that time uh, based on what you've seen uh, at that point. But uh, one thing I want to ask y'all, uh, Boobie Whitlow, uh, you know, y'all was talking about Sean Shriver a minute ago. What, what did uh, Boobie ever end up at? Did he ever catch on with anybody or he just finished? For some reason I thought he transferred to an FCS school, but I uh, – I'm he went, not sure. He transferred to Western Illinois okay. and then re-entered the transfer portal in June of 2021. That's one of the last stories out there Maybe he got about Sir Tarvius portal. Whitlow. So uh, that's a great question, Anthony. But, yeah, no one has really had an update on him uh, in over a year. So I'm not sure but where he's at. He very well may be washed out then, I guess. Uh, yeah. Probably just uh, started the next chapter to... of life. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, that's how it works sometimes. Well, guys, y'all enjoy y'all weekend. I'm going to go in this crunch fitness and get me a little workout. Nice. And I'm going to look at I'm gonna look at some of these good-looking girls over here while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> been there before. Back day, leg day, oh, what, what, chest day. What are we working on today, Anthony? I'm going to do some. I'm going to do some arms and uh and uh and that's what I'm doing. Some arms. I'm do some arms today. Nice, Anthony. We like All it. Right, y'all. All right, y'all. Have a good one now. See you, buddy. All right. 
That's Anthony from Auburn joining us there on the program. Anthony Always good to take care of the body. Gym. Honest. Honest. <laughs> yeah. from, from All the way around. I work out of the same gym. That's good. I if I run Absolutely. Um, seen let's there. go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on the program. More of your phone calls set to come here this hour. 334-887-3401. Sports Call continues in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan LaVoy. Your phone calls always welcome here on Sports Call. Give us a call, 334-887-3401. Again, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. That podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or on our Tiger Communications app. Also check out our website, thetiger.fm. Brant Daughtry has done a really good opponent preview on the Mercer Bears that you can read there. And then Ryan LaVoy, you've got a full in-depth season-long Auburn football preview yourself that folks can go to the website, thetiger.fm, and read words that you typed on a computer keyboard and then we publish. Yeah, you read words that say things. <laughs> and um, yeah, preview the whole season. And we've talked a little bit about that. And I appreciate anyone who reads that. But uh, look, for this Mercer game, um, I think I, I put down, uh, I don't know if you're ready for a score prediction from us or not, but I'll. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and give the prediction that I put in the article. I, I gave predictions for all 12 games if you're interested in them. However, of course, they are subject to change in real time on this show, but they're obviously in writing for throughout the whole season. But no change with what I predicted in there. I went Auburn 59-6. to I don't think that is indicative one way or the other of what kind of team Auburn becomes or, or anything like that. Again, the, the easy thing to rest on is Auburn did this to their weaker opponents last year, and Mercer is a weak opponent. Uh, they were, I mean, good. I mean, they were great against their weak opponents last year. And so I think they'll they'll want to show that. I mean, not show off, I say. I think they just want to – I think they want to see T.J. Finley operate yeah. uh, in an actual game situation. Oh, yeah. So that's something that they're – instead of not showing off the fans like – like as proof that he's the guy, I think they want to see for themselves more yeah. on TJ Finley. So they're going to pass some. Uh, they need to run block better than they did last year. So I mean, I, I think they're going to they're going to play reasonably uh, hard and, and reasonably open uh, for a while. So I think they'll score a lot of points. And, and of course, Auburn's defense figures to be good no matter what. So I don't think Mercer will be scoring a lot. We got you down for fifty nine to six. Yep, Brand's going forty nine yep. to ten, and we'll keep taking. Some score predictions here as uh, if you want to be a part of the show, call in and we will document it. 
334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 as we're going to take this opportunity to go to our Auburn Bank phone lines. Joining us here on the program here on Sports Call, we've got... Daryl from Auburn. Daryl has called into the program. It has been way too long, Daryl. It is so good to hear your voice. Well, uh, I apologize for my absence. I just sort of been in the sports closet. Um, just been working a lot. But yeah. Anyway, still at Waffle um, House? Huh? Are you still at Waffle House? Yes. <laughs> I was embarrassed to call in because I know that you, uh, people sometimes get uh, poor service at the various restaurants, but having worked there this long, I know it's a staffing issue. Uh, where I work, it's got a good core crew, but we're still understaffed. Uh, uh, just for all those patrons, uh, for the next five weeks on weekends, we're doing dine-in only, no takeout. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and just working there, I realized how the takeouts occupy the dine-in staff. So, and then I'm still, I guess, what you call the maitre d. A Waffle House. I greet people when they come in. I see them at their place. Yeah, I but, remember you, you talking about the run-in you had with Suni Lee. Oh, yeah. Well, we hadn't seen her lately. Uh, we've had various athletes, uh, mostly basketball players, come in. You know, but uh, we treat everybody the same. That's you know, awesome. Whether you're an athlete or uh, just Joe Blow. or yeah. We have several Jimmy's and Joe's, yep. And then uh, uh, because I've been – here in Auburn since 78, I get to see a lot of people, connect with a lot of people socially. No doubt. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like it's a win-win situation. I get paid to talk to people, you know. Yeah, and, well, and we like all love you. talking. We all love the sound of our voice. Well, you know, just like everybody that tunes into your show, they like to hear your voice and you like talking. You exactly. Know? You're exactly right but, about that. It's been so good to hear you. I mean, we just hadn't heard from you in a while, Daryl, and glad to hear that everything's going okay. Thanks for the call today. What's on your mind? Tell us something. Well, you know, I think Mercer is going to score at least six points. I'm not sure how much we're going to score. Probably at least uh, 40, you know. But I think it'll be a, a good uh, test to see where our weaknesses are and where our strengths are, to be honest with you. You're uh, right. I mean, that's what the first game of the season typically does for a program is to be able to kind of assess, okay, where exactly are we? It's one thing to play against ourselves, but now we get some competition. So you like 40 to 6, you think the score could be? I think it could. And then uh, this is actually a good season because we have two opponents that are not real good in strength, and it'll give us time to readjust instead of just getting knocked in the head on the second game from the SEC. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we play Mercer and San Jose State next week. So a little bit of a, a tune-up opportunities for Auburn before tougher competition comes in. Yeah, and I made a commitment to stay with a restaurant. I've never experienced game day there, but I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, fortunately, I get off uh, at a certain point in time. Unfortunately, we don't get to listen to the game unless you got earplugs or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did that through basketball season. I just, hey, what's going on in the sports world, you know, and I get updates. And uh, I, to my – enthusiasm they're letting us wear uh 
hats other than Waffle House. So I got an Auburn University hat at Walmart for 12 bucks, and it's a nice hat. No way. <laughs> yeah, so, but that's where I'll be, you know. And then uh, 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 the restaurant business, just like anything else in the economy, you know, you hear the economic news. There's uh, not enough workers to staff, and I'm sort of proud to be one of those older people that are in the workplace, you know, and whether it's a restaurant, Waffle House, and or Walmart, you know, us older folks have job security because uh, the younger folks are, uh, I don't know, occupied with other things. And uh, my daughter, who just turned 21, she works at Little Italy, so we're carrying on the Auburn tradition. That's what we love to hear, man. Keep, keep the Auburn traditions alive and well. And seriously, Daryl, it's so good to hear from you. All right, well, if you don't want to eat a waffle, go see uh, Rachel Boone at, uh, well, I shouldn't have said her last night. Go see Rachel at Little Italy's and get a picture of beer. <laughs> there you go, exactly, exactly. And you know what? We'll uh, we'll have to come by and get a waffle with you sometime, Daryl. That's fine. Um, of course, the next five, four weeks is going to be crazy. You know, just catch us on an off week you know, in between uh, game times, and I'll, I'll, uh, it'll be my treat. Yeah, sweet, sweet Daryl, and uh, I, I would also think that uh, with game day coming in, it will be probably about as busy as it's been since you've been working over there again. Uh, yes, uh, the last couple of weeks since school started, we've been real busy. Uh, we had record-setting sales, you know, and then uh, I worked there before the pandemic in 2018, and then I sort of shot away from there uh, because my business was going strong, but uh Everything is back in order, you know, and then uh, uh, I just uh, excited to be part of the game day experience, and uh, I can enjoy it with uh, Auburn fans coming in or are the opposing teams coming in, you know. And I've had the uh, uh, have had Sunny Lee come in, Bruce Pearl, several of his athletes come in, and um, you know whether you're Bruce Pearl or JJ or Ryan LaVoy, you know, we all treat you the same. That's right. That's right, Ryan. They got the VIP treatment for yeah, us, brother. That's absolutely. what I'm hearing. So we'll, <laughs> we'll make a trip back over that way for sure. Unfortunately, where I live, it takes me 11 minutes by bicycle to get to the restaurant. So you know my motor transportation is going to be. You don't got the pick-em-up truck anymore, or you just like biking? No, well, we'll have both. Uh, I like bicycling, and then I'm, uh, you know, I have that old 76 Dodge. Uh, one of our regular customers, I got in a conversation. He had this hiked-up Jeep thing and just put graphics on it. It's like, oh, what do you do? You turn over Jeeps or you remodel? He's like, no, I've got a little shop on a certain road, you know, and he just this whole Long-haired dude that wears flip-flops, you would never throw these. <laughs> and I don't want to mess up your policy of promoting businesses. <laughs> that's that's an example. You don't judge people by their appearance. but Some people uh, just want to get waffles no matter how they're dressed, and they're allowed to do just that. So. You know, that's the thing about working at that restaurant. You know, I get exposed to a lot of people, and this long-haired mechanic he was a iraqi war veteran he just has long hair and flip-flops he brings his wife and small child and he's like man y'all always been nice to us you know and he treated me right so 
Perfect. That's what we love to hear. Well, Daryl, it was so good to hear from you today. Enjoy your weekend, okay? Uh, you know, i got enough groceries and uh, uh, beverages to last me until Tuesday, so I'm good to go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Have a good one. War Eagle. War Eagle. All right. That's our buddy Daryl from Auburn joining us on the program. It has been way too long since we've been able to hear from him on the show, so that certainly put a smile on our face. Good to have Daryl back on Auburn's first in Auburn's favorite sports talk show, 887-3401, or toll free at one 9 if you want to call in and be a part of the show. A few minutes left here in the hour as we will go back to the phone lines. And joining us now here on the program, we have, do up next, we've got... Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into the show. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. Thank you all for taking my call. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy football, like Terry said, man been a long time coming and dang uh it's i, I think it'll never get here every time it ends but i'm glad it's here uh, dang uh man i'm going to waffle house i'm telling you we're all sold I on am, why to get yeah exactly i i, I scattered smothered covered in chunks <laughs> i'm ready to go golly amen i'm you and wasn't it wasn't it Malzahn? What didn't didn't he eat there after every game? Yes. That was his celebratory victory meal. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. So well, so he didn't eat there after every game then. A victory meal, yeah. Not a fi- victory, just victory meals. Okay. But dang, hey, uh um man Daryl, I'm uh I'm glad you're out there. Man, uh my daughter and I we, we used to go on date night. We'd get dressed up and go to the Waffle House. She would love to sit there at the counter and talk to the people. It's just like talking to a bartender. That's right. So that, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'm the, And, boy, you're right. That place is going to be hopping this weekend. <laughs> and so, uh, But, man, I was uh, – what do you all think about that Georgia-Oregon game? I'm getting the feeling, of course, you know, you got a target on your back. If you if you won a national championship and stuff like that, but uh, man, I, I I get antsy about games like this because I I remember you all are probably too young to remember, but uh, Georgia opened up the season with Boise State in Atlanta, and everything was pointing Georgia's way. You know, it's like hey. They got them new Nike uniforms and all that stuff. And Boise State came in there and beat us by like two or three, two touchdowns, I think. So that's, I would sure like to see us cover the spread. I think they've got us at 15 points. Being a Georgia fan, as long as I have, 15 points is a lot to give for Georgia to give away because, uh, like, like I say, they. They may play great all year, and then South Carolina will come in and knock them off, you know, just get down for a game, a 12 o'clock game or an early game. So, um, But they I got a big test to start on, the year. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, well, but I like it. Don't you all – this has been two years in a row. I don't remember before that. Did you all play – don't you all play three years ago for opening game? I, I kind of like having – I wish they'd start with SEC games. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 2020, not, everybody an started hour. with an SEC game, and that was Kentucky for Auburn. And then in 2019, their first game was against Oregon. 2018, yeah. their first yeah, game was against right. Washington. 
I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's hard to get. My daughter's coming up there to the game this weekend and stuff like that. She's excited just because it's a football game. She doesn't know anything about football. She doesn't care. It's just a football game. But uh, I like to see a good game to start out. You know, and I think it would be fair if everybody started with it. SEC game, you know, because like you say, the SEC's got the greatest competition in the country. So, and and I'm really curious. I, I want to see. I just can't believe Florida is as bad off. Are they that bad? Did Mullins leave them that bad where they can't beat Utah? Are they an underdog to Utah by how many points? Do you know? I'd have to go and look at the spread, but I mean, Florida's not ranked right now, and Utah is a top ten team. They've got a lot coming back. I, I don't know necessarily that it's that much of a difference. I think the talent there at Florida, uh, I think they'll will they will be a good team in the SEC this upcoming season. As um, twenty two and a half, yeah, two and a half points uh, is where uh, Utah is. They're favored over Florida. What did you say? Two and a half. Yeah, Utah's favored by two and a half. Utah's favored by two oh, and a half. Okay, so that's. Yeah, so that's not a – and I just – okay, well, I I mean, yeah. just because they are a Southeastern Conference team, I, I just I just don't have a lot of faith in Utah. Utah's been up there before, and, you know, it, it, it all boils down to who you play and, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So I was just – I'm excited. I'm glad it's here. Yeah. And then, Give uh, us your Auburn-Mercer score prediction, and we'll let you get out of here, Jeff. Man, I'll tell you – I. Am I going to win something if I get it right? We, we're, we're still coming up with that. I'm going to try to bring this back this year. I've been I've been slacking on this a little bit the last few seasons. So hey, tell me what you want. Or tell me what your score is. Well, okay. We all want a million dollars. I can't promise you that, yeah, buddy. No, no. No, but I'm saying, of course, being a betting man, I would vote root against Auburn because I'd be the only one, right? All so right, I so go for it. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll go... Uh, I don't know that you want to do that right now. I don't know that's going to be your best play, Jeff, but go ahead. Okay, okay, but um, I think I think Mercer will score two touchdowns. Okay, fair, fair. That. That's so fair to say, I'm yes. I'm going to go with Mercer at 14 points, okay? Okay, and, and Auburn at... Uh, at uh, see, I, can't, I don't want to pick them to win, so... Uh, we could uh, pick them to win. Yeah, pick I'll Auburn to win the game. Be smart and pick Auburn to win the game. But putting uh, fourteen points on Mercer's side might be wise. I say, okay, fourteen to fifteen. There you go. You already lost How week one, that? and you lost, Jeff. Uh, you lost the season-long <laughs> competition. I already lost. <laughs> Buddy, good to hear from you. We got to go. See you, pal. All Have right, a good weekend. Talk to you all, later. all right. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Keith from Auburn is going to be our first caller due up in the next hour. I'm he trying said, to help yeah, Jeff right. out. He you said, know, I don't want to pick Auburn to win. It makes sense for Auburn to win in this case. Right. Like, go you ahead want to be smart if this win. is a year long ordeal. God. We got to put something up cool for grabs with these sports call predictions. We'll see what we can come up with. Uh, but to, yeah, I don't know that fifteen to fourteen. The score for Auburn is exactly the way to go. All right, that's it. We've reached the end of our number two of Sports Call. More fun still to go. Alongside Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy, my name is J.J. Jackson. Two hours of the books, and we're rolling.
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry. We hope that you are doing well on this Friday. Football starts tomorrow. Auburn is taking on Mercer from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Coming up very soon, we've got a conversation with Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. We love talking football with him or football, baseball, Braves baseball on Fridays, and we've been doing it uh, for many, many years. So Kevin joins us in just a little bit. For now, however, we're taking your phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401, or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 And joining us on the show now is... Keith from Auburn. Keith has called into Sports Call. Hey there, Keith. How's it going? Guys, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Very well. Thank you for the call today. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, before I forget, I want to go ahead and give my uh, Auburn Mercer prediction. Yep, and tell I've me. I've got an idea. I've got an idea, JJ, for the prize, okay? Okay. I, I vision the Thunder Chicken hat is like a trucker hat with a chicken on it holding like a lightning, lightning bolt. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. If that's the emblem, if we, we could get one of them, I think it'd be great. But anyway, I, I gotta send you a I gotta send you a picture of our logo, Keith, because I don't know that you've ever oh, seen okay. it before. But we, we're we're official, sir. We've got we've already got gear <laughs> and swag. Oh, I think okay. that might be a good idea. We might have to send out some Thunder Chickens gear. There you go. Hey, uh, I'm gonna say Auburn fifty six, Mercer twenty, and, and I, I really think going into the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter, it's probably gonna be like forty nine to six. I see Mercer maybe getting a couple of field goals. And then Auburn really uh, unloading the bench in the fourth quarter, and and, and then finding the end zone a couple of times after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mercer scores a couple of times, and maybe Auburn scores once, and, and then that's your that's your final. So fifty six twenty on that. All right. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you know I gotta I gotta tell you guys, staying um, down in Troy, uh, I get I don't have cable, so I watch a lot of YouTube. I watch a lot of Netflix. And I, I'm just to the point yesterday, I was just like, I got to do something different. So I finally realized I had Dish Anywhere on my phone. And uh, I got the password from my wife so I could log in there because I never really even watched it on my phone. And was able to mirror that thing up on my smart TV, right? So, so I You're so advanced, Keith. There you go. Hey, yeah. listen, <laughs> One win at a time. Uh, when it comes to technology... I wasn't on the front row, okay, guys? <laughs> I was way back there in the back. So, anyway, I got all that set up. So, I, I was watching Pittsburgh and West Virginia, guys. What a right, game. The deal. Yeah. I had a, I had a little green, 
on the game, okay? Okay. That's the main reason I wanted to watch it. So, for some reason, as I was watching the game, they'd play for a couple of seconds, and then it would pause for about four seconds. Then they, you know, I couldn't get it streaming right, I guess is what I'm saying. So, the score, if you guys watched the game, the score right before halftime was like 7-3 to three West Virginia, and Pitt was inside the five-yard line with about three minutes to go in the first half. All right? So, I had West Virginia plus four and a half in the, uh, in the first half. But, but I, I kept thinking, oh, Lord, you know, Pitt's going to score, and then uh, West Virginia do something crazy, and they'll get the ball back, kick the field goal, and I won't win. Well, it just kept stopping and going and stopping. They've been doing that the whole first half. So, about 7.45, I'm still waiting on the last three minutes of the first half, and then it dawned on me. This game's got to be, you know, it's got to be halftime. So I logged into my uh, laptop, and they were already in the third quarter, and I was still watching the first half. <laughs> so you got way behind. I got way behind. And, and you know, I, uh, of course, I, 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 I did win the first half, so I was excited. Watched Purdue, and uh, that was a really good game. God, that game lasted four hours, didn't it? It did, yeah. That was uh, one of the first things they said once it went final, how long it was. Yeah, it was a long ball game, but I, I tell you what, I really uh, it, it was an exciting game, kind of to watch, you know, uh, kind of back and forth, and of course I dozed off here and there too in the second half. But uh, it, it was uh, I, I saw the last drive by Penn State. What a call! Score uh, that touchdown where they ended up having a, a linebacker isolated on a, a tailback or, or, or a fullback coming out of the backfield. He just, I mean, that was. That was dead on. I mean, you know, the guy couldn't cover it. That's right. So, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And here's the thing, guys. In the state of Alabama, this is like Christmas Eve, okay? this is I call it a, the state of Alabama Eve. We're going to open up some gifts tonight uh, before Alabama and Auburn play tomorrow just so we can kind of feel like it's Christmas. <laughs> That's you know right. what I'm saying, guys? Yep. We waited a long time for this, so. So I'm excited about that. I tell you what, I'm really more excited about some of the ball games more. Uh, you know, being able being able to watch some of them, and uh, you know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon, even Arkansas, Cincinnati. You know, that'll be a good one. I, I'm just looking forward to it. But yeah, anyway, JJ, if you'll send me that logo, I might see what it was. If I get some uh, Chicken Thunder attire. I might put it on eBay. It might get, make some pretty good money. Off <laughs> there you go. You got the right idea already, man. Well, Keith, it's so good to hear from you. You enjoy your weekend for us, okay? Hey, y'all do the same, guys, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Sounds good. That's our buddy Keith from Auburn, and he's joining us on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 if you want to call in and be a part of the show. As we'll go ahead and we'll take our first time out on Sports Call today. When we come back, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will be our guest. That conversation's coming up next here on Sports Call.
All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy inside our studios on the eve of the college football season getting started tomorrow for the Auburn Tigers inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. We've got to talk about the Atlanta Braves because this team is so much fun to watch, the reigning World Series champion. And as we do on Fridays, we love to catch up with our good buddy Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. Kevin, how are things? How have you been, my friend? I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's been a lot of fun to watch the Braves in the second part of the season. They've had those big, epic matchups with the New York Mets and such down the stretch. How much have you enjoyed watching this ball club play since the All-Star break? Yeah, it's been fun. I'll take it back a little further than that, really since June 1st. This has been a team that ever since Smith had that meeting uh, out there in Arizona, they just flipped the switch and have found another gear. And you know, while they've been able to capitalize on a softer part of their schedule, I don't care who you're playing. When you put up the best record in baseball for nearly two full months, um, that's saying something. Two plus months, I guess you could say, as we're now in uh, September. Time just flies on by. But, you know, look, the pitching staff, uh, since they added Spencer Strider, I think has really uh, stabilized itself. And that's been great to see. Uh, offensively, some of the kids, the troublemakers, if you will, in uh, Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom, have done an admirable job. Uh, two guys that I personally never expected to see here at this level this season. But yeah. it shows what I know. Uh, these 21-year-old kids are coming right up from double-A ball and making an impact. So it's been fun to see, and I- I'm excited to see what uh, the next month of the regular season holds and hopefully another uh, deep run through October into early November again here this year. Well, let's talk a little pitching with this club. And you mentioned Spencer Strider. We're talking to you the day after he has 16 strikeouts last night against the Colorado Rockies, a franchise record. What was that like to witness at the ballpark? It was incredible. And most Spencer Strider starts are uh, just because you see so many bad swings and so many guys walking back to the dugout just perplexed, uh, not really able to figure him out whatsoever. So, uh, you know, sitting in the building last night, I never expected we would see a, an all-time franchise record. Uh, you know, for those folks who, who may have missed it last night, 16 strikeouts over eight scoreless with no walks. That, to me, is even more encouraging than any kind of strikeout numbers you can put up. Uh, for him to go out there and set an Atlanta franchise record with those 16 strikeouts, and it is a Braves all-time franchise record for a nine-inning game with 16 strikeouts. Think about the Hall of Famers that have worn a Braves uniform. Uh, the Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, Tom Glavins of the world. you got to go back to Warren Spahn was the last time we saw a pitcher had this many strikeouts in a game. He had 18, which is the all-time record, but that was in a 15-inning ballgame, guys. So, uh, you know, it took him a little bit longer. Uh, it took him a lot longer uh, to, to get to that number. So uh, something we, that has never happened in 151 years of this great game is that we see uh, a first last night with a 23-year-old in Spencer Strider. So 
I think the sky's the limit for him, and I love the maturity. I love the poise. I love what he says after the games about not being you know, satisfied with what he did. He wants to get better. He wants to get stronger. And I think that the thing for me is, guys, when you strike out 16 batters, that's going to drive your pitch count up in a hurry. But he punches out 16, and he was only at 105 wow. uh, through eight innings. So that is even more impressive where he's not wasting a lot of pitches. He gets guys 0-2, and he wants to finish them off. Uh, a lot of times you see young pitchers that get a guy 0-2, and they'll start to nibble, and they'll throw a few out of the zone. But that's not his mentality. His mentality is, I want to be as quick and efficient as I possibly can. And, again, for a 23-year-old to have that kind of mindset and not back down, I mean, he just, he just went up against the Mets in back-to-back starts. The Astros, the Cardinals, before this start against the Rockies, he's been terrific, and I think he's going to be right up there at the top of the vote-getters for when it comes to the Rookie of the Year balloting. He's been so good for Atlanta, and I think it's also so interesting to think about the angle, Kevin, that here we are one month, basically, removed from the trade deadline where Atlanta goes out and they acquire Jake Odorizzi, and at the time you're trying to put together a starting rotation, and, and you begin to wonder, is Spencer Strider going to have a spot in this rotation? Is he better served to go be a bullpen guy, given the velocity that he's got and that sort of thing? But I think after these type performances, you're starting to figure out that, uh, yeah, maybe this guy should get to pick for more than one inning every time he goes out on the diamond. It's funny, too, because I know that the conversation, you know, a month or so ago was, well, what's he going to look like in September? Where is he going to be physically? What's his stamina going to look like? And he actually was asked about that after a game, and he was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I think there was a little seriousness to it as well. He was like, you know, I appreciate everyone being concerned about my, my health and well-being, but I feel fine. I feel great. I feel strong. Uh, the one thing that I think stood out is, you know, a lot of folks were wondering, would there be an innings limit? Would you shut him down? And Alex Anthopoulos shot that notion down very, very quickly, saying, look, he tried that in Toronto as a younger GM, and it didn't work. Guys are still going to get hurt. Everybody's different. Everybody's body is different. So while you can say, yeah, you know, he's thrown more innings than he's ever thrown in his life, uh, it doesn't at least to now in early September seem like that's affecting him. So, uh, again, kudos to him for, for what he's done in this rotation. And he's not a guy that you know gets rattled on the mound. doesn't seem like anything bothers this kid. Got a little swagger to him. He's got a little bit of, uh, you know, he, he's going to come right after you. And I like that. I like that mentality in a young pitcher. So I'm really, really excited. I, you know, for as much as I used to look forward to a Max Fried start, and I still do, or a, a Mike Soroka start a few years ago in his all-star season, uh, I look forward to Spencer Strider games, I think, more than anybody right now because you never know when you can have an outing like you did last night. Of course, Kevin, a lot of talk that, as it will continue down the stretch here about if the Braves can catch and pass the Mets. But I want to ask this from a different angle because the Braves have a seven and a half lead on the second wildcard team, which is now the Phillies over the Padres. Is it such a bad thing if the Braves end up being that number one wildcard? Because as we know now, it's a, it's not a one game scenario. It's two out of three. So like, is it really the end of the world? I, I know there's still pride on the line. I know it's still a rival in the Mets that you want to always beat. But is it the worst thing in the world if the Braves end up the number one wild card? No, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, look, you, you'd right now be lining up to play Philly, which on paper I like your matchup. It's a dangerous offense. Look, they can go off now that they got Bryce Harper back and with Real Muto and Hoskins, and uh, they've got some other pieces uh, that have gotten healthy there as well. It's a team that, you know, again, do they have enough pitching? They've got Wheeler, who's been terrific. Nola just got hammered the other night by the Diamondbacks. Guard, meh, he's been okay since coming over at the deadline. So that's a team that I think, starting pitching-wise, I'll take my guys over there. My rotation is better than theirs uh, right now on paper. So uh, I think it'd be a good offensive series. I think both teams would score a lot of runs. 
but uh, look, you want to try to win the division. At the end of the day, you still want to go for it. What I'm very curious about, guys, is let's say there's 10 games left in the regular season and you're four or five games out. And it's, you still have a shot, but it's a, it's a distant shot at that. What I'm curious is how teams start handling their rotation because you know, you've got to be ready to have your best guys go in those first couple of games. Um, so while you don't want to concede anything, if it looks like it's a vast long shot, I'm curious to see when teams start you know, maybe uh, going to six-man or skipping a guy to line them up going backwards uh, so they are ready when the postseason rolls around because you don't have the days off. And then once you get to the division series, that travel day is gone as well. That's going to be an interesting wrinkle. If there's a team that has to go cross-country, good luck. (laughs) You're going to have your work cut out for you there. So uh, there's a lot of different variables at play. But for me, I don't want to settle. I want to try to go for the division. As long as I have a shot, I want to go for it. Um, And, again, there would be nothing sweeter than uh, coming from behind in the final 30 games and finding a way to to nip the Mets right there at the wire. Boy, that that would probably be sweeter than any of the four previous division titles we've seen in this town. Kevin, whether it be a short wild card series or a very pivotal uh, game and later in in the playoffs, how do you weigh the young guns of Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider? Who uh, Kyle Wright's had some some great playoff performances, but obviously Spencer Strider has not been in the playoffs. How, how do you weigh their seasons up against someone like Charlie Morton, who has been for for most of the last two or so months very hot, but overall has not had as good of a season as those other two guys. Yeah, no, I look I look at the back of the baseball card and what Charlie has done in the postseason. He's been nails. I mean, he's been really, really good. At the same time, you, you kind of want to ride your hot hands, right? So uh, Max, barring anything happening, is, is going to go game one. And then I think, you know, I don't know if you base it on opponent or base it on head-to-head matchups or what you want to do, but right now I'm riding the hot hands in, in Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider. Those guys have been terrific. Um, and then with Charlie, you know, I mean, you can put him in any spot you feel comfortable with. So, um, you know, again, you can make the argument, okay, Strider's been dominant. Maybe I trust the back of the baseball card in a certain matchup with Charlie Morton and give him a start and know that I've got a bullet like Strider where I can bring him out there for two or three innings and just let it eat, you know, just go out there and throw 100, throw gas uh, out of the bullpen. I know it's not what most fans want to hear, but – there could be a little strategy involved as well. If the team doesn't hit the heater well or if the team's really struggled against them, do you maybe you know have that guy you can bring out two or three times in a wild-card series? It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But, uh, again, free to be your game one guy. Uh, I think Kyle, you know, with what he's done this year, certainly deserves to be two or three. And then, again, you look at Charlie. Uh, he's 38 years old, but, man, pitching on a broken leg in the World Series, struck out a couple of batters, so – there's something about him and his slow heartbeat when it comes to uh, the, the biggest games and the ones that matter the most. He finds a way to, to get the job done. So, look, they're in a really good position right now. They're, they're, starting pitching-wise, uh, you feel really, really good about what you had. Think about it like this last year, guys. In the playoffs, there were nights that I was going on to host the postgame show, and we would have to listen to Snit talk at the podium afterwards to find out who in the world was going to start the next playoff game. That was in the L- LCS against the Dodgers. They had Dylan Lee and uh, Tucker Davidson start World Series games for them last year. So <laughs> to, to think about where the world – and that's not a knock on either of those guys, but it shows you it's a great how point. far you've come from a, from a rotation standpoint that you're in such better shape now than you were a year ago, and you won the darn thing last year. So uh, I think it's very, very exciting uh, seeing where this team is in the final 30 games. 
And Kevin, looking to the offensive side of things, last night, Triple A Gwinnett, Ozzie Albies uh, makes his first rehab assignment. Um, what are we expecting timetable wise as far as how many at bats, how many games he needs to play in AAA before rejoining Atlanta? And then, secondly, what kind of decisions will Brian Snitker work through given that Von Grissom has had a good bat uh, for Atlanta in his month or so with the big leagues and just the various lineup shifts that he'll have to make? Well, I think Ozzy's going to need some time. I mean, he's missed three months. That's a long time, especially when you're a switch hitter. You got to get your swings in. Uh, from both sides of the plate. He DH'd last night as well, so he did not play the field. Uh, I have not seen uh, anything from Gwinnett as of yet to see. I would expect him to play second base tonight and get four more at-bats. And, oh, by the way, that'll be behind Mike Soroka. Not a rehab start. He was activated off the injured list and then optioned to Gwinnett. So it's really a quote-unquote rehab start, but he is eligible now to be on the postseason roster given the fact he was activated off the IL. That was more of a procedural move that happened the other day. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time. Look, the, the Braves haven't put a number on it. I know Ozzy said the other day he wants to get back as quick as possible, and obviously he wants to be part of this thing down the stretch and, and help them uh, you know, get through October once again. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time. He was over four last night, put the ball in play three times, so that's a good sign. Uh, I saw him last week uh, doing baseball activities. He was moving around great. Uh, looked to be in, uh, you know, really strong and in, and in great shape. He wasn't, he wasn't just sitting around for three months eating cake, uh, you know, for, for and, and getting out of shape. I mean, he looks really, really good. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a while, probably at least a week uh, down there, maybe even longer, just to get his timing back at the plate uh, and get himself in a position where he can go out there and play, you know, three, four, five days in a row. Um, and, and so what do you do with Vaughn Grissom? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, I was in the building the other day on Wednesday, and I saw Vaughn working with Eric Young, taking fly balls in center field and left field. Um, so I think that's a bit of a tell that, hey, you know what? Well, we'll try this kid out in the outfield, get him some reps out there, see how it looks. He's athletic enough. He's, he's 21 years old, believe me. Uh, learning a new position at this level is a heck of a lot better than going back and riding the bus at uh, double or triple A again. So um, I do think you could see them mix and match the DH. Maybe Ozzy DH is a few times, similar to when Ronald came back from his long layoff. Um, so I think there are ways to keep that bat in the lineup. Uh, and, again, it's a good problem to have because you want to get Darno and Contreras as many at-bats as possible. You want to keep Grissom in there. You're going to get an all-star second baseman back. I mean, you're, you're in a really enviable position that uh, a lot of other contenders would love to have that kind of reinforcement on the way. So, again, I think it's going to be a while for Ozzy to, to get his timing back, uh, and rightfully so. But, again, when he does come back, uh, you can uh, mix and match guys, move them around, Maybe we see Grissom in the outfield. Heck, we've seen a lot worse, guys. We've seen Eric Hinsky in left field. We've seen Evan Gaddis play left field. Uh, believe me, uh, he's athletic. He's 21, and he will, he'll do whatever he needs to do to go out there. And Again, I think what he would give you offensively could overcome any defensive shortcomings you might get with a guy like Grissom learning a new spot. It's Kevin McAlpin from the Braves Radio Network and 680 The Fan there in Atlanta joining us here on the program as we're winding down our conversation. Kevin, I wanted to tip my cap to the, a, a little stat that we saw tweeted out by 680 The Fan yesterday talking about the power of Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, noting that the team is now 64-29 and 29 when he's in the lineup oh. as opposed to 17-22 and 22 when he's out. We talk so often just about, hey, this isn't the Ronald Acuna Jr. that we're used to seeing. He is clearly, when he's at his best, one of the best players in the entire sport. But then you see numbers like that, and it's like, oh my gosh, this team really is good when Ronnie's in the lineup. 
Yeah, and look, even though he's not 100% and won't be the rest of the year, matter of fact, he said he feels terrible. His leg feels terrible the other night. He said it joking and laughing, but I think there's a layer of truth to that as well. But he's not feeling all that great out there moving around. Uh, but it's something he's going to have to play through. But again, even though he's not the Ronald that we're used to seeing at the plate or running the bases, that power threat, that threat, the very first pitch you throw of a ball game, knowing if you make a mistake, and a lot of pitchers love to just throw a get-me-over pitch to start a ball game, you do that against Ronald, and it's one nothing before the butts are in the seat. So you've got to be careful. Having him in there is just such a game-changer. And it's not a knock on whoever else is let off, mostly Danzy Swanson when Ronald's been out, but just having that kind of a threat, putting that spot in the back of a, an opposing pitcher's head is huge. So uh, I think that uh, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. 64 and 29 with him in there. Uh, that that is a uh, stout figure. That's not a small sample size. So uh, I think the numbers speak for themselves. They show you that he is such a, a game changer when he's in the lineup for you. Now it's just a matter of figuring out how they can get him in there as much as possible down the stretch, so he can be a guy that can be potentially an offensive hero for you in a in a playoff game or two moving forward. Tell us what we need to know about the weekend series coming up, Kevin. Well, it starts tonight with a bang. I mean, you get a good pitching matchup with Charlie Morton and Sandy Alcantara. Uh, To me, if I had a vote, and I don't, but I wish I did, because I'd be voting for Alcantara for the Cy Young Award. This guy's got four complete games under his belt this season. You want to talk about unicorn in Major League Baseball. That is as much of a unicorn as you're going to find here in 2022. So it's not a good Marlins team. It's a a down offense. They've just gotten whooped by the Dodgers uh, down there in South Florida. So it's a team that, again, on paper – my team is better than your team. Now you have to go out and prove it. You have to go out and execute. But uh, I think that this is another great opportunity for the Braves to get a series victory, get on that plane Sunday night, enjoy a night off on the West Coast, and they get two with the A's on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and it's a long West Coast trip. So continue playing good baseball at home. And speaking of Acuna, it should be a rocking house tonight with the Ronald Acuna bat flip bobblehead night. So I would expect a full house, 40-some thousand in the building, and hopefully they've got a lot to cheer for tonight. Who are we on the lookout for? Who's going to be our player of the weekend coming up, Kev? Ooh, I knew you were going to do this yeah. to me. Um, you know what? I'm going with Austin Riley. Uh, I like the fact that we've seen back-to-back games with a home run. Uh, he's tied his career high, and I think he will surpass that career high of 33 homers this weekend. Not calling his shot tonight because Alcantara is a guy who does not give up a whole lot. But at some point over the weekend, I think uh, I think Austin will get number 34. It'll be a new career high. And after a, a bit of a power outage, and I use that very, very tongue-in-cheek, what was it, about 10 or 11 days between home runs for, for Austin. But uh, I do think that he will surpass a career high. And who knows, maybe it does start tonight against one of those Marlin relievers late in the ballgame. Can't wait. We'll be listening to all the action. Kevin, thank you so much for the time, as always. Fellas, have a great weekend. Appreciate it. That's Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, and he's joining us here on Sports Call in Auburn. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
All right, welcome back in. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry on this Friday. Our thanks again to Kevin McAlpin for joining us on the show a moment ago. Always just such a pleasure to chop it up with him. Guys, Auburn football tomorrow taking on Mercer. Cam, what do you think happens? Give me a score prediction. Go for it. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 60-0. to zero. I'm going to give our defense a shutout. Look at you, man. Yeah. That's baller. I like our, it. I'm going to give our defense a We had like a, a 62-0 game last year. Yeah. I'm going to give um, our defense a shutout. I like Shutout's it. It's just so tough, though, because it it's not tough. even up to the defense exactly. sometimes. Yeah. Um, give you an example. Last night, uh, UCF and South Carolina State. UCF wins 56-10. to 10, And you say, oh, yeah, South Carolina State, 10 points. Nice. South Carolina State had 90 yards of offense. <laughs> <laughs> they Goodness. they had a first and goal at the three Gracious. after they had a long fumble return and Ryan O'Keefe mm. caught him uh, the UCF's best wide receiver caught the DB at the three and then they went three plays lost three yards kicked a field goal at three and then they had like a thirty five or forty yard mm. drive for a touchdown so that that's that why I can't do it you yeah. know like yeah. it's not that like Auburn can't be dominant enough to do it but it's just like. Your offense can put give right. your, the other team points just yeah. as much, and, or a bad field. I sure position. hope our offense doesn't give any points. I also hope that the the score that uh, Matt said, what did he say, like sixty three to two or something 59 like that, fifty nine to two. Yeah. I hope we don't give up a safety. I would be <laughs> yeah. very upset if we gave up a safety. What would be the most acceptable kind of safety? Like just snapping it over uh, the punter's yeah, head? I, that, or, that's, yeah, that might be the most acceptable. The way least to get acceptable it is probably like getting sacked. No, a sack zone, is right? yeah. unacceptable. Absolutely not. I will be very upset if we give up a sack in the end zone. What's your score, Ryan? Uh, I, I'm going to go 59 to 6. That was the prediction I gave in my uh, season preview. I think Auburn will score a lot. Like I said, they're going to want to pass. They're going to want to run. They're going to want to do stuff that makes them feel more confident as they move through the early part of the season. And then defensively, (laughs) yeah, I don't think they're going to give up uh, a bunch of points. Look, six points could be a touchdown and miss PAT. It could be two field goals based off of good field position. You know, I'm not predicting Mercer to go have 250 yards offense or anything like that. I think it'll be in the 100s. But, um, yeah, I think dominant performance. Uh, there might be a drive or two where everyone panics because, naturally, um, yeah, you can't be course. perfect. Naturally. But, um, yeah, I don't think any problems for Auburn. I think they they play well throughout, as they did against teams like this last year. Yep. I was trying to confirm what score I said. I said 56-13, to 13, uh, I think, is where I've – settled on this Auburn football team excited to see him play excited for touchdowns to be scored and yeah. celebrated just can't wait for football to be back Who do we have as the first touchdown being scored of the year for Auburn I think I said Malcolm Johnson Jr. I said tank I went safe I went tank too or maybe I went safe and went tank I forgot um uh, but hey no I respect the Malcolm Johnson yeah. Jr. it's not always chalk what no. you you did the list for us some weird point. names yeah. on there yeah weird so weird it's names. not all it's sometimes it's not years. even it's not even someone that ends up having a big impact on the total um, yeah. totality of the season right right Melvin so. Ray in 2014 <laughs> yeah. you know hey he was a good returning guy <laughs> yeah. you know off the 2013 team I remember he had like a long one in the uh in the Florida State game but uh yeah ended up just being okay College football on TV tonight. It's finally here. It's here. Our it's nightly here. TV guide brought to you by White Claw. You've got Western Michigan and Michigan State on ESPN at 6. Virginia Tech, Old Dominion on ESPNU. U.S. Oh. Open tonight. Serena Williams back in action on ESPN2. And the Braves and Marlins on Apple TV Plus tonight. Those games are never too fun for 
yeah, folks to be able to access. Yeah, that means it's not on Bally, right? Yeah. Yikes. There Shame. it is. That's our show. We'll be back on the air on Monday. Cam and Ryan, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Enjoyed it, man. Let's all enjoy some college football. Let's go. War Eagle. Auburn plays football tomorrow. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks to Kevin McAlpin for stopping by. For Cam Beery and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.